Thank you for this night, for this first night of the retreat. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you're our friend and you are here and you just cause peace right now, God, to flow throughout the seats, to flow from out the benches, God, to the kids department, Lord, to the people sitting in the front, God, to myself, Lord, that you would just cause a supernatural peace, Lord, that we would all receive, that we would all learn, Father God, and that we would just be before your throne, Lord, on this night, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so to give you some background, the message is called Kingdom of Heaven. Um, if you want to write that down, Kingdom of Heaven, or K-O-H. Uh, so it's Kingdom of Heaven. Um, as I was saying, I'm honored um, to be... That's going to bug me. Uh, I'm honored to be here preaching on a Friday night. Usually Mario preaches on Friday nights or on the nights. And so I'm like, I gotta live up to what Mario usually does. But I know that it's God that moves, and so God's gonna move tonight. Amen. And so to give you guys um, a background, uh, background on 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 the message of the retreat, grace, love, power. Um, so hunger was a message that I preached about maybe like in late August, right before atmosphere. I don't know. Who was there for hunger? It was called hunger. And so the really neat thing was that before I actually preached hunger, God had already started speaking to me about this retreat. And so you guys should know that it's been in the works for like, what is that, like three months now? It's been a long time. And so God, I was on one of my walks, um, one of my very um, favorite one of my favorite things to do is to go on those walks. I learned that from Mario. To just go out, walk out, and just go pray, and just talk to God, and then God's, uh, he, he speaks to me during those times. And so I was walking, and he was like, okay, from now on, don't write anything down where you're preaching on hunger. We're switching gears here to grace, love, power. And what, what grace, love, power means, if, if, if you were, weren't there <clears throat> when we briefed you guys, grace, love, power essentially is Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. So, God started speaking to me about the Trinity and about Jesus being grace, right? Um, grace dying on the cross for you. He started speaking to us about the Father being love. It's for love that God, for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. And the Holy Spirit being the dunamis, the power of God. Amen? So, the, I, I, prepared, I prepared the message, I prepared the sort of the thought of the retreat, and I brought it before the board members. Um, and I was sitting on the 105 in traffic, and um, it's just, if you drip, you're all familiar, so you know how bad traffic is. And so I was sitting in traffic, and God tells me this thing that just like, I, don't under, I didn't understand it at the time. And I want you to like listen to what I'm gonna say. It sounds really weird. Um, you know, you know what something is like, but you really can't define it. Are you guys awake? Are you guys good? That's good. All right. Pay attention. Here. <laughs> now I'm getting nervous. Um, so God said, you know when you know what something is like, but you can't really define it. And so I was sitting there, like leaning against my window, like thinking, when is this, you know, I can't define this traffic, that's what I can't define. <laughs> and so, and so I'm sitting there and he's like, you know, and you know what something is like, but you can't really like define it, like give a definition for it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? 
You know, and so he's like, yeah, like think of green. Like if I asked you to define green, define green. It's a color, you can think it's a color, but like, no, really, like if, if, some, if somebody came to you and said, I don't know what green is, tell me what green is. No. Yeah, Johnny just said plants. So that's not really the definition of green, but you, you know what it's like, you know? So God was telling me like this retreat, when he was setting it up, it's like, you know, you're not going to know what it, what, how to define it necessarily, but you're going to know what it's like. So get ready for like encounters and like crazy, crazy, crazy Amen. demonstrations Amen. Of, of the kingdom of heaven. And so, and this message really what I did was um, I sort of reached back to two years ago when we had kingdom of heaven. You guys remember that? We had like gold come up and people had visions and like we disappeared. We weren't here anymore and we were like in heaven and and it was just insane. I just remember being on the floor and I think Leslie was praying for me. Was it that retreat? I was on the floor and she was saying something and I was like, I wasn't even there. I was just gone. I was like, I had to ask her. I had to ask her what she said when she prayed for me afterwards. Let me hear what she was saying. Um, so. If, if you've heard me, I like to tell a lot of stories, and I make a lot of jokes, um, so laugh. And, and then um, I, I teach, so it's really structured, but then I'm going to start preaching, and then hopefully the Holy Spirit is just going to whack you guys. Okay? Um, so for those of you taking notes, this first part is called the Kingdom of Heaven. And so this is where I'm going to reach back to two years ago. I really want to bring everybody up to speed on the same platform, and then we're just going to go for it, okay? Amen? Amen. Okay, so kingdom of heaven. So let's talk about that. Let's go to Matthew 4, chapter 4. So Matthew chapter 4, verse, we're going to read verse 16 and 17. Amen. 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 All right. So, before... Before we, um, tomorrow, you know, the sessions are called Grace, Love, Power, which obviously goes with the retreat, and I was struggling with this message, because I was like, what's the point? Like, why am I even, like, talking about this? Like, I remember I literally cried to Meryl, because I was like, what's the point of this? Like, I almost feel like telling Mario, like, dude, you preach, talk about something else. I remember talking to Mario about it, like, being like, dude, I feel like this is going nowhere. And he was just like, no, man, he's like, you're going to give this whole thing context. And you, we're sort of going to bring everybody to on the same page, especially because we have a lot of new people here. Um, but just a, 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 a reminder. Yeah. So I'm going to read the verses. Are you guys there? Amen? Amen. All right. So Matthew 4, 16 and 17. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, oh wait, I skipped the part. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, around that time, two years ago, I had started going on this journey where I was saying, like, repent is not a bad word, Amen. right? Because for so long, that word had been, like, religified. <laughs> for so long, that word was religious in my mind. It was like, I heard repent, and all I could think of was, like, like condemnation. Like, putting yourself down. 
right? Then I did the smart thing and looked up what the word actually means, and it literally means to change the way you think, to turn around, if you will. So repent means change the way you think, turn around. So in the verse, Jesus is saying, change the way you think, turn around, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Amen. And so, why repent, right? Why turn around, if you will? Because Jesus is calling out and he's saying, repent, turn around, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is how he started his ministry. And so if you will, Jesus comes while we're still his enemies and he calls out to us and he tells us to turn around. And so what it is, is you turn around and then you are confronted with the kingdom of heaven. And so that's the reason to repent. And so then you start to think, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? Because for so long, I thought that heaven was just a destination, right? It's like where you're going. It's where you end up. It's like you accept Jesus into your heart. Great. Now I get to call myself Christian for the rest of my life. And one day I get to go to heaven. But little did I know that we get to encounter heaven now. Amen. 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 And so let's go to the main verse for this. It's Romans 14, 17. For some of you, this might be repetitive. But I'm sort of just setting it up here, so just follow along with me. Romans 14, 17. And give me an amen when you're there. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to read it now. For those of you who are there, just listen. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is not eating and drinking, or it's not food or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So during the retreat, we talked about, it was Pancho and I, we tackled this subject, and we actually just tackled it again at a conference that we did, and it was so great um, to hear us talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so it's the kingdom of heaven, it's not food or drink, so it's not physical. You guys understand that? It's spiritual. It's not food or drink, it's not like in this world. And so what it is, it's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. And righteousness, obviously, we are in right standing with God. You guys understand that? Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we are now in right standing with God. And so when you are in heaven, you have that access because of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so then it's also, it also says that it's peace, peace. I always relate this example. Mario's preaching a long time ago where he said that Jesus took the crown of thorns on our head, on his head, sorry. He took the crown of thorns on his head, and that represents the mind. And he took that so that you would have no trouble in your mind, so that you would have no anxiety, so that you would have no fear or doubts in your mind. Amen. And it's almost like, I'm getting right now, it's like, you have righteousness. You're in right standing with God. That takes care of the sin issue. You don't have to worry about that. But then when those fiery darts come and attack, peace comes. And peace says, no, you are in right standing already. And Jesus took the crown of thorns on his head so that you can have peace. So that you can have no anxiety and no doubts. And the third component of the kingdom of heaven is joy. And then there's a song. I forgot where it is. Uh, but it says, it, or it's in Proverbs. And it says, uh, thanks much. <laughs> And it says something along, along the lines like, um, a, a cheerful heart is good for the soul. So in other, in other words, laughter is like good medicine. You know that saying, laughter is good medicine? And so joy. And so 
you have the sin issue taken care of, you have your access to heaven, you have your access to the kingdom of heaven, you have your peace so that when you walk out in this world, you don't have to be troubled, and then you have your joy. Laughter is good medicine, so you have there the medicine and healing for your body. It says, through his stripes we are healed. Amen. Amen. And so, then the next question that I ask is, where is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is not food or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we do some grammar and take all the, the middle stuff out, for the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? And the Holy Spirit is actually in you when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Okay, so that means, yeah, give me glory. And so, the kingdom of heaven is actually in you, okay? You hold righteousness, peace, and joy. You have been given these things. You have, they have been placed inside you. You actually cannot step aside from them. You cannot step away from them. You can maybe forget them. You can maybe ignore them. But it's like a little brother, right, that follows you along and follows you around. And it's like never leaves your side, right? It says that he sticks closer than a best friend. And so the kingdom of heaven is in us. And that is our atmosphere, right? We talked about atmosphere. I remember the first atmosphere we had, we talked about atmosphere. And we talked about how we walk in this presence of God. We walk in the kingdom of heaven. And the atmosphere is His, is his breath. And every time that God speaks to us, He creates. Amen. 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 And so, so I'm going to tell you, here goes the first story. <laughs> so, as, as a believer, um, when you start to cultivate this, um, reality, you start to walk, um, I would say, in supernatural, it's natural to him, it's supernatural to us, but you start to walk in this kingdom of heaven, right? And so, what ends up happening is that everyone around you starts to be, like, attracted to what you have, right? Everybody sees you different, you know, everybody notices the difference in you. And one day, um, I was at work and it was like almost, I want to say 7.30, you know, some of the work days are very long. <laughs> and I was, I was trying to save a PowerPoint presentation and I was trying to email it off because we had a presentation the next day. And we have this, uh, it's called a server and multiple people have access to that presentation so they can make changes to it. And so I was trying to make changes to the presentation and it wouldn't save. The, the PowerPoint wouldn't save for some reason. I don't know why. Um, well, actually, I do know why. But it wouldn't, at the time, I didn't know why. And so, it wouldn't save. And I was just like, why isn't this thing working? It's 7.30, I'm a newlywed, I want to go home to my wife, she's probably got some good food on this stove. And, and she did. Um, and I was like, I just want to go home. You know, I want to be with my boo. And so, so I have a, I have a coworker who's also, I have a couple coworkers that are believers, but this one um, in particular, um, she was going through something, um, and she had already kind of mentioned it to me. And so I'm there, I'm trying to save it, and it's 7.30, most people leave like at 6. And at 7.30, she's there, and she's on the phone. I see her going to one of the conference rooms behind me, and I could see like her eyes are red. And I could tell she's been crying. She comes back out and she's like, 
you know, saying things, and I, she's talking to like a church leader and saying things, and I'm just like, man, I wonder what's going on. But I sort of brushed it off, right? So then I go to my other coworker's um, computer, and I told her, hey, can I do this on your computer? Because it's not saving on mine. By this time, like 15 minutes had passed, you know, us men, when it doesn't work the first time, we try it exactly that same way another 15 times. <laughs> and so, 15 minutes had passed and I kept trying to save it, it wouldn't save. And so, I almost grabbed the computer like threw it against the wall. And so, I like walk over to my coworker's desk and I asked her if I could do it on her desk. And so I did, I hit save, and it saved. And so I was like, okay, that's weird. And so I go back to my desk, and when I go back to my desk, by this point, my coworker's already off the phone, but I can tell that she's been crying and she's upset. And so, and so I, I tell her, hey, um, actually no, I tried to walk out, but God didn't let me. And so, <laughs> and so I put my stuff away and I put my backpack on. And normally I don't put my water bottle in there because it, like, it, like, it just feels weird. And so I put it on and the Holy Spirit was like, talk to her. And I was like, no, it's late. I gotta go. <laughs> and, then, and then so I go, oh, this feels weird. And so I took it out and I'm fixing it. The Holy Spirit is like, talk to her. And I'm like, come on. Like, I'll talk to her tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, right now. And I'm like, okay. And so I look at her and I'm like, hey, let's talk. And we had actually been talking about something else um, earlier. Like we both got promoted at the same time. And she thought that we were that I wanted to talk about that. And I said, I said, hey, let's talk. And she said, no, not right now. And I was like, see, I told you, not right now. <laughs> and, and but at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going for this. I was like, I was like, no, not about that. Let's go talk. And she's like, you know what? Okay. So we went to go talk, and we just started. I started asking her what was going on, and and, and just you know, for privacy's sake. I won't say what, what was going on, but it's funny, there's always like what you see and what you don't see when somebody's going through something, right? So we're talking and talking and talking, and I didn't have to tell this, this, this my coworker, this young lady, I didn't have to tell her, hey, I believe in grace, like, trust me, like, I'm not gonna judge you, you know? Or, you know, hey, you know, I'm not religious, like, you can open up to me. I didn't have to tell her nothing guys, the Holy Spirit was there, we walked into that room and I was praying in my head, and literally, she opened up and gave me everything, and we had, I had prayed for her like once before, but like for this, it was like, I thought it was like supernatural, like she just opened up and she like spilled everything out, and I was like, okay, well it's like this and it's like that and it's like that, and it was just like, Verses were like flying out of my mouth like bullets and I was like this is what God says and this is what the word says And this is what I think you should do and I go, but I told her in my heart I feel like that's not the issue and she goes, okay And then she spilled out something which was a root and so I said I knew it and so I, I was able to talk to her essentially and like pray for her in that moment and it was like breakthrough and like a couple of weeks later, like glory to God, like she was no longer dealing with that issue. Amen. 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 And so when you walk in the kingdom of heaven, like you don't got to go around necessarily telling people, like you just walk in that presence. 
and then everybody's like everybody's options, everybody's realities, like everybody's circumstances, like they now have like an open door that they can like like get out of. You know, where where once they were in a room with just four walls, they were now in a room that had no walls. Amen. You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay. Cool. And so, let's go. The next section is called intimacy. So this next section is called intimacy. I won't give you a verse right now, but if you're writing down notes, just write down intimacy. And so, as I was preparing this message, I was like, we're going to talk about grace, we're going to talk about love, we're going to talk about power. And I started asking God, what is it, what else do you want to talk about? Because I can't just like recap the retreat, like that would kind of be boring. <laughs> you know, we like already did that. But he was like, no, just set it up. And so then he said, how do you live out the kingdom of heaven on earth? Right? And I gave you the answer already, it's intimacy. That's what the section is called. But I'm going to put language to it, if you will. If you believe that you live in the kingdom of heaven, then let's break the words down. You live in a kingdom, a king's dominion. That means that the dominion that you walk in has a king. Amen? Amen. If you want to walk out the dominion or the kingdom of heaven on earth, then you have to know the ways of the king. Okay, cool. So, you can't live out the domain, and you can probably write this down. You can't live out the domain of the king, or sorry, you can't live out the domain if you don't know the ways of the king. And Jesus modeled this for us. Let's go to Luke 5.16. Luke 5.16, it says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Other versions say, Jesus would often go to lonely places and he would pray. So even Jesus would go into the quiet place. Even Jesus would go into that place where only the Father could see, where only the Father knew what the individual was doing, right? The individual seeking the kingdom. And so Jesus often went to lonely places. Why? Because he, he needed that relationship. And if Jesus needed it, then you best believe we need it, right? And he modeled it so that we can follow suit. On it. You know, Paul said, imitate me in the things that I imitate Christ. And Paul was an apostle. And Jesus was a form of apostle as well. And it's like Jesus would have probably have also told us, imitate me in the things that I do as Christ. And so, and so in, I'm not going to take you there, but in John 7, at the end of John 7, Jesus has been preaching. Jesus has been giving a message, right? It says that everybody went home. It was late at night, probably a night like this. It says everybody went home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. It's like he went to go pray. He went to go seek that quiet place. Even, even after preaching all day probably and giving word and, and giving messages and healing the sick and casting out um, demons and and praying for people and serving people, um, Jesus still went out to the Mount of Olives and he went out to go pray. And then in the very next chapter, chapter 8, 
it says that Jesus woke up or went early to the temple and he went to go teach. You know, sometimes it's it's sometimes it's hard to do these things. Sometimes it's like, man, like after a long day of work, after a long day of for you who have kids, like after a long day of dealing with kids, after a long day of dealing with problems and situations. Or even in the midst of that, it might be hard to say, I'm going to go to the quiet place and I'm just going to get alone with God. But it might be hard, but it's going to be worth it in the end. Amen. Amen. And so, um, sometimes, sometimes, some, sometimes we, you know, this, this nation has a tendency to avoid, to avoid to do what's hard, right? They avoid doing what's hard. They do what's easy. You know, that's why we're at where we're at now with like drugs and so many pills and so many things and all these crazy things, even like assisted suicide. Like you guys heard about that? About the lady yeah. who, who, to me that's sad, you know, because it's like, I almost wish I could tell her like, hey, God still heals people, you know? Like, God said that you're the light of the world. So for those people that are out there that, that are struggling, that are going through something like that, when doctors when a doctor comes and says, hey, you have the craziest cancer, it's in your brain, it's going to kill you. Are, is there someone near that person that can reach out and say, hey, don't lose hope. God can heal you. And that's us. God said that we're the salt and we're the light of the world. And he sprinkles us out throughout this world. It's an invasion of the kingdom of heaven so that people don't have to rely on what the doctor says. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but that they don't have to just rely on that. We have other options. You realize you have options? Like you have multiple options. And so sometimes we get caught in the corner when all we need to do is turn around and we'll see this vast field. And in that field, Jesus will come and meet you. Amen. Amen. And so, sometimes you got to do what's hard. And God will honor you, right? Amen. It says, Hebrews 11.6, it says, He who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of faith. Right? So, when you do certain things for God, you, you believe that he's going to reward you, and he's going to honor, we talked about honor earlier, he's going to honor what you are doing for the kingdom of heaven. I'll tell you another story. <laughs> on on Monday, um, on Monday we were we were we had vocal practice at church, um, and I got off work late. Um, and and man, the enemy is so like a jerk. And so I rebuke him in Jesus' name. And and. I had a, a good day at work, you know, it was long, it was tiring. Um, I, I left work, I get into my car, and I felt empty. Like, I'm talking empty. Like, I felt depressed. Like, it was weird. I felt depressed. I felt worthless. I felt like God wasn't with me. I felt like, 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 whatever I had this like thought that like whatever I spoke tonight was gonna be a waste of my time and a waste of your time. And I was just sitting in the car in the 405 in traffic. <laughs> All my stories don't revolve around traffic, I promise. And and I'm sitting there and I'm just like confessing truth and like rebuking and like praying and I'm just believing like that God is still good in that moment. But I just felt like so empty. I was telling Mario like I have never had like a level 
like that level of an attack before. Like it was just so weird. Like they couldn't shake it. And I got home, and Meryl's gonna be a nurse, and uh, and uh, she was she had to study and like she had to do a project presentation and she had a quiz. And on top of that, we had to go to vocal practice. And so, and so, I get there and I just tell her I'm like, I feel worthless right now. I go, I feel worthless and I feel so empty. I go, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like God is so far away. I was like, but I know that that's not true. And she just hugged me and she was like, no, 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 it's okay. But then I could also tell that she was like, also like, kind of like stressing out a little bit because she had so much going on. So we go to vocal practice. We do our thing and that really helped. And Danny like killed it during prayer at vocal practice. And it, it helped, but we got back into the car and we were like back in that same place again. And we started talking, um, advice for those of you that are gonna get married, or advice for everybody. Um, in marriage, talk about everything. Everything, talk about everything. And that's a picture of what you should be doing with God. Talk about everything, as silly as it is, like God, my toe hurts, does that mean you hate me? No, silly. And so, I'm like, John, Jonathan's toe actually hurts, right? Your toe still hurts? God is, God is. And so, and so, so we get into the car, we start talking, like, sort of like, I lay out what's going on, and she lays out what's going on, and we're just driving, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something, I'm just going to talk out loud and pray. And this is what I said, God, I thank you, because you see the sacrifice that we're doing. It is a hard thing to, you know, after a long day of work, and then we got other things to do, to go to vocal practice. Some of us have to go straight to work after vocal practice. But I know that you see this sacrifice, and I know that you will honor this sacrifice. And in that moment, everything broke off. I'm talking about like the Holy Spirit like came into that car, and I looked at Meryl, I was like, that was a good prayer, like that was an anointed prayer. And so, and so sometimes we gotta do what is hard, but God will honor when you do that, amen? When it costs us something, God will come and he'll say, I honor that because because ultimately you're doing it out of faith, you're doing it out of love because you believe that God is good and that he's gonna come, he's gonna honor what you're doing. Amen? Amen. Okay. Amen. Good, I haven't lost you. And so, kingdom of heaven. It leads me to the next step, which was what we also talked about two years ago, is on earth as it is in heaven. I remember um, growing up, uh, we went to, we went, we would go to mass up until like, I was like, I think 15, then we started going to like um, a Christian church. Um, but I remember going to mass and doing my first like communion and all these things. And I remember we would pray like the Our Father, like Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be in the name of your kingdom, come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which was weird because I never like thought, like I never, paying attention to it really like on earth as it is in heaven like Jesus the savior of the world he was teaching his disciples to pray and he said pray like this on earth as it is in heaven and then I come to Christianity and unfortunately it was like the our father was no longer a legal prayer right because they do this whole thing where like they put people down and they say no that's something that you prayed over there and you don't pray this here right and so it was almost like I was like, at the time, obviously, I didn't know any of this stuff, but then I just thought about it, and I look back, and I'm just like, man, I wish I knew now. I wish I knew then what I know now. 
like if I had known that like I can lay my hands on people and they will get better, like man, like Abel, Kayla, guys, you guys are growing up and it's, you have a bright future ahead of you. You know, I want you guys that whatever's in your heart, like to study, whatever it is, to go for it and believe that no matter what field you end up in, it might be behind the pulpit, it might not be, but wherever it is that you guys end up to, everybody here, you, we're all like young, we're all young, amen? Yes. So, I work at an advertising agency and I've gotten to pray for a, a, a couple of my co-workers. I've gotten to pray for, and then you can step into some crazy circumstances where in the world, all people can say is, I'm sorry, like I hope it gets better. That's like, I almost said something that I shouldn't have said for me. That is like an empty, an empty hope. Hope in the world is like, good luck. I hope that happens, but I really have no substance to what I'm telling you. And and I've stepped into 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 situations where my coworker like is like his second his child has just passed. You know, what do you do when like a coworker calls you and like says that? And this person is probably also he says he's an atheist. But it's like all you can do is respond with love and prayer. Amen. And I told him, I told him, it was like six months ago, I told him, hey man, I was like, God is going to restore your joy. He is going to restore your peace. He is going to restore you. And I told him he's going to restore the fruit of your loins. That sounds silly, but he's going to restore the fruit of your loins. And, and he's like, I hope so, man. He's like, thank you. And I just met this guy. He's like, I love you. And I was like, I love you too, man. Like, God loves you. Like, it's going to be okay. And he's like, I hope so. And I, I told him, I was like, I'm not here to work advertising. I'm here to spread the kingdom of heaven. And I was like, don't tell anybody. And so, and so, and so, two weeks ago, I see people hugging him. And I'm like, what's going on? So I go up to him. And I was like, hey, man. I go, what's going on? He's like, my wife is pregnant. And, and they're like, at like six months already, so like the baby's fine, like there's nothing wrong, he's gonna be a dad again. And I was just like, in that moment, guys, like I'm feeling it right now, like the Holy Spirit showed up and I just hugged him and I just told him, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. Because sometimes we go through situations or sometimes we're put into situations and we don't know why, but we're there to be the light, we're there to be the beacon, we're there that so when everything gets musty and cloudy, that we can be in, be there and, and say, there's hope. You know, things are going to change. Things are going to get better. Amen? Amen? And so the awesome thing is that the kingdom of heaven, a lot of times what it does is amongst the noise, amongst all the problems and the situations, what the kingdom of heaven brings is clarity. Because it says that his voice is a soft, still voice. Right? So you can't have all this noise going on if you want to hear what God has to say. That's why he wants you to get into the quiet place. And so... And so God brings, His presence brings clarity. So it brings like, it, 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 it quiets down all the other voices. It quiets down all the problems, all the situations. It quiets everything down. It says that, um, I think Peter, before he prayed, was it his mother-in-law who had passed away and he resurrected her? It says before he prayed, he actually prayed. 
before he actually prayed for her to be resurrected, he prayed. What was he doing? He was quieting everybody down. When Jesus raised the little girl from the dead, he got everybody out of the room. He's like, you, you, you guys are mourning. That's great. Go over there and mourn. I'm going to change the atmosphere. And he prayed. And then he res the girl resurrected. Paul, when he goes and he prays for somebody, first what he does is he prays. And then he resurrects the girl. Elijah, when, when um, I forget who it is, but the, the woman who opens up a lodge for him, he tells her, like, you're going to have a son, and then the son dies. He walks into the room where the boy's dead body is, and he prays. So it's like, before, and that's okay. Sometimes we're going to walk into a situation, and you're going to know exactly what to say. You're going to know exactly what to do. Sometimes you're going to walk into a situation where the environment and the atmosphere is dead, and there is no hope, there is nothing. And in that moment, you might be clouded, but in that moment, you pray. And in that moment, you hush the devil, and yes. you hear the voice of God, and then you release the truth into the environment, and it changes everything. Yes. Amen? Okay. So, give God glory. And so, it's beautiful because then what God's teaching us is He's teaching us to flow from intimacy, from the quiet place. He's not teaching us to like celebrate our works and like celebrate I went to church today and I went to Grace and Love's retreat so I'm good <laughs> and so, you know I'm going to heaven for sure Kevin said I'm already there and so the great thing is like that we don't have to like be about works but we are about rest and flowing out of intimacy and then that ultimately leads us to walking out our identity and walking out exactly right. where we live and so what happens when we don't flow from intimacy is that we end up celebrating our works and we never really see the kingdom of heaven. Because the Bible says to repent from, from, to repent from dead works and move towards faith towards God. So some people celebrate, oh, I went to church, I feel good because I went to church. But they have no intimacy and no quiet place during the week, which is probably the more important thing. And so some people repent and they're like, yeah, I went to church, that's great, and they're living a Christian life, but they don't turn around all the way into their, into their, into their quiet secret place so that they can experience the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to experience Him in the quiet, amongst the noise, amongst the situations, amongst the problems. He wants us to experience Him in the quiet. It says in Hebrews 10, 39, that we are not those who are shaken, but we are those that move forward in faith and we take what is ours. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it means, trust me. So, the next thing, the next section is called uh, Power of Choice. For those of you taking notes, it's called Power of Choice. For so long, I remember thinking, God, God's in control, if it's God's will. That sounds to me a lot like, I hope it goes well for you. Because you're not really believing that, that God's got you covered. It's almost like a Christianese, right? It's like, yeah, God's in control, like God's got it, you know? But there's no substance to it. There's no like, I'm not, I'm not saying if you say that, I'm putting it down. But sometimes when it comes from that aspect, we say those things as if like, we say those things as if like we don't have a choice in the matter. Like we're presented with a challenge, right? 
the sick person, right? And it's like, well, you know, see what happens. But you're a Christian. You have power and you have authority. And so you have options. And so you have the power of choice. You have a will. It was your will that said yes to Jesus, right? Ultimately, you had a decision to make. Either you say yes or you say no. And so one morning, and I had my mind renewed about this, like, I don't know how long it's been now, but one morning, I was on my walk, one of my walks, here's another story, and um, I was walking, um, Mara and I live in Long Beach, LBC, what? <laughs> and um, I feel like, oh, side note, now that I live in Long Beach, I feel like, you know, good, like, you know, like, I used to live in Downey where all the white people, like, live, but now I live in, like, Downey, like, I feel like I'm a little tougher now. You know? Am I getting that boo? Like I'm a little harder than everybody. I'm like, I don't know. I don't I live in the nice part of Long Beach. And so I'm walking and to give you like a background story, one time uh, Jesse had us do an interactive during vocal practice. Are you guys good? Yes. You guys are good? I can keep going. Okay. So one time Jesse did a like an interactive like a little exercise where he told us to close our eyes and just imagine like a garden or imagine something that God wants to show you. And so I had my eyes closed. Meryl and I weren't married at the time. We were planning the wedding. We were looking for where to live. We knew she was going to go to school. We wanted her to go to Long Beach State. Um, she got into Fullerton. Um, sorry, guys. And Fullerton is a great school. And so. And so we were like, well, I want to live close to work because I have a case of road rage and, you know, I want to make it home every night. And so we were trying to look for where to live, where to live, where to live, and then we do this um, exercise. <clears throat> and in the exercise, I had my eyes closed, and I really want you guys to, like, open your hearts to this and, like, comprehend this. Like, it's really crazy, but God does these things. In fact, I'm going to have you do something like this after this, so get excited. And so, Jesse has us close our eyes, they're playing worship, and he's like, just close your eyes and, and have God show you something. And so, what God shows me is um, this, like, ranch in Long Beach. It's like one of the first homes in that area, in Big Spinos, which is where we live now. And um, I'm there, and I'm seeing the house, and I said this during hunger, but there's like a big tree there, right? And if you're a really tall person, you like it when things are bigger than you. It's like, when you see a person taller than you, you're like, wow, they exist. <laughs> and, so, and so, and I'm fascinated by dinosaurs, like hashtag geek moment right now. And so, it's like this giant tree, the roots are like sticking out of the dirt, it's like, those the kind you see on Jurassic Park, right, where like you find the eggs like in the hood, in the in like little section right there, and in the vision I'm there, and I see the tree, and I see Meryl, and we went on a date there, and um, it's this really cool historical place. But I turn around and there's this giant waterfall, and there's just water falling, water falling, water falling, and I'm like, God, like. Why are you showing me, like, why are you showing me this? I wasn't even thinking about this. I was like, this is crazy. And in that moment, like, I felt the Holy Spirit come and I felt him say this. Or I felt like he said, I'm giving you Long Beach. And in that moment, I was like, well, I guess we're living in Long Beach. <laughs> but no, but in that moment, it was so powerful because, because 
God was coming and He was just showing us, you know, if you want this, I will give it to you. And, and I, I, you know, I shared the vision. Meryl and I, we were like both crying because we were like, we didn't, we just, it was powerful. And we were talking there and then after that service, Meryl and I started talking and we're like, well, what are we going to do now? Like, are we going to look for a place in Long Beach? And I was like, well, let's not get overwhelmed. Let's just pray about it. Like, let's just pray for Long Beach. But lo and behold, we end up finding an apartment in Bixby Knowles. And so that's the background story because, because now I go on walks and I go and I pray for Long Beach. You know, I, I, don't, I haven't prayed for someone, but I say good morning to people. I change the atmosphere. And I just go around and if I see a house that God highlights for me, like I'll pray for that house. Um, I pray for the environment, I pray for the city, the schools, the leaders. You guys realize that you have this like ability and this power and that it actually means something. Like it's not empty words. Like if you say, God, I bless the city, God will bless the city. And so I'm like walking around and, I, and I've been praying. But this morning in particular, and remember this section is called Power of Choice. I'm walking around and I had taken a risk the, the night before and it backfired on me. And when it backfired on me, it was this whole situation where it was like, should I have done that? And all these questions came and started saying, see, like you're not really free. Like, see, you don't really have like a choice in any of this. And so I started walking and thinking almost as if God was becoming this puppeteer and strings were attached. And so I was walking and I was like, okay, God, and like my mind was, was cloudy and I was asking God, like God, which direction do you want me to go? Like I want, I, you tell me, do I cross the street and go this way into this neighborhood? Do I go into that neighborhood? Do I go pray here? Do I go pray over there? What do I do, God? But in that moment I was feeling like God was a puppeteer and I was his puppet. And I'm walking, I'm walking and I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I have an assignment in this city and I'm just gonna go where I'm gonna go. And as soon as I made that decision and crossed the street, that's when God started talking to me. Because we have to understand that God is not a puppeteer. He does not want you to be controlled like this. He wants you to have the freedom of choice. Yes, there are times where he's going to be like, hey, go this way, go that way, go this way, go that way. But there are times where you're going to have to, what was the last thing he told you? And that's what you're going to do. And so that morning I was walking around. I didn't have a clear direction. But as soon as I got to the other side of the street and I decided um, where to go, that's when God spoke to me. And this is what he told me. He said, he said, you are free. And when in your freedom you say yes, that's powerful. Because you are free. You are in freedom. And in the midst of that freedom, when you say yes to me and pick me, it's a powerful thing. Powerful people are free. And where they go, they shine. And so it's not about like, don't go here, don't go there, don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't touch that. Those things have a shadow of wisdom, but they are not wisdom. We live in grace, and wherever you go, you shine. Just because you yeah. stepped into yeah. like a hardcore metal concert doesn't mean that your light diminishes because of the darkness. It actually gets brighter because yeah. where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so as soon as I cross the street, God comes and he starts speaking to me and he like addresses like my thought process in that moment and then the next thing he tells me is he addresses the thing that was like attacking me and he says he also said something along the lines when people don't know that they're free they think 
that they don't have a choice. However, when they still pick me, I am pleased when they pick me, but I'm not satisfied. You understand? He's, he's proud that you picked me. He's proud that you came to church. He's proud that you prayed. But if you don't think that you had a say in the matter, then he's not satisfied. He's pleased with you, but he's not done with you. There is a process that God is taking you on. And he's not going to be satisfied until you are perfected. Amen. Amen. And so a lot of times, whether you believe in grace or, or whatever it is that you believe in, in, in religiousness, sometimes you think you don't have a choice, but God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. That's right. And let's go to Galatians 5.1. Mario read this verse earlier today. I'm almost done. Galatians 5.1. Are you guys good? You guys are getting this? Okay. So Galatians 5.1 says this, if I'm not mistaken. It says, I'm paraphrasing. Actually, let me go to the verse. So I don't get this wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, you are free. Say, there are no strings attached in this relationship. Say, the veil was torn. This is fun. Alright, Galatians 5.1. So Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Let me read it again. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, for so long I read this verse. For so long I read this verse and I thought, for freedom, you were set free. I was like, well, that kind of sounds like redundant. Why are you using the word free twice in here? It, it was, why don't you just say you were freed by Christ? Why doesn't it just say you are free? But it says, for freedom, you have been set free. So let me explain, let me explain it this way. When you are set free for something, you are set free to protect it. When you are set free for it, it's like whatever it was that was hindering you from being separated from that has been torn, has been cut away, has been completely erased, and now you have been placed in this new sphere of influence, and it is for freedom you have been set free. So it's like, I think Mario was saying this earlier, we protect the freedom, not by controlling it, but by love by grace, by power. You're starting to get it now? And so, so it is for freedom you have been set free. You have been set free for the free dominion. The kingdom of heaven is a free dominion. You have freedom within this kingdom. And so what ends up happening is that you don't, Jesus never taught us to control people. He actually taught us to serve people. Amen. Amen. That's right. So when you protect freedom, you do it, you do it through service by letting people be who they are, come as they are, come as they may be, and you let God do the work. You just serve them and you love on them. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And so, so Jesus didn't teach us to control people. He taught us to serve. Amen. 
I'm going to say something, and I think I said it before, so it's not that big of a deal. But God is not in control, He's in charge. Because if God was in control, then we would have to say bad stuff is, He controls it. And God is in charge, but he's in, he's, He has authority and power, and He's in charge in the way of love and service and grace. And He is a king over the dominion. But He, he doesn't control people. Jesus never taught us to control people. He never taught us to make people look like cookie cutters. Like He never taught us to be like Christians, to look a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, and come to church a certain way. That's a religion, a religious mindset that changes nobody and touches nobody. Amen? You guys understand? And so, a lot of times this gets related to the sovereignty of God. And um, William P. Young, he wrote this book called The Shack. Um, in an interview, he was saying, you know, a lot of people talk about the sovereignty of God. They say, the so this was, well, this person died, and it's like, well, the sovereignty of God, you know, man. It's like God decides, like, you know, who will stay and who will go, you know. Um, the claw has chosen who will stay and who will go. It's not like that. We're not in some, like, giant vending machine. And you got to be careful because the claw's going to get you. It's not like that. The sovereignty of God has to do with that God is here, He's in you, He's in the people that are in the basements in China, worshiping God, He's with out of the universe, He's on the throne, He's with angels, that's the sovereignty of God. It, has, it doesn't have anything, absolutely anything to do with control. Amen? God is not a puppeteer. And so, one day, this I think this is my last story, um, just kidding. Um, one day I was walking, and, and this day I was partnering with the Holy Spirit, and I, I was, but I went out with the intention of it. See, there was no noise. I went out walking, and I was like, okay, I got to the corner, I was like, you tell me where to go. Go right. Okay, I'm going right. So I'm going right. He's like, cross the street here. Cross the street, or the other side. I'm walking. Turn left here. Okay, I turn left here. And I'm walking down that street. And I see this like old older lady like coming, and she looked really mean. And I was like, "Oh, I know. You want me to go talk to her?" And he was like, "No, nope. turn right." And I was like, "Okay." But this lady looked really mean, and so I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's gonna she's gonna do something to me or something." I don't know. I'm really scared. I gotta walk faster. And so I don't know why I like I, was just, I made this thing up in my head. But I started <laughs> I started walking almost like as if she was like trying to get me right. But she was like an old lady. She was walking like this, and I'm over here like. <laughs> You're not gonna get me. <laughs> and so I'm walking and I'm looking at the houses and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I see this house and it has like this like bronze plaque on it and it has the number of the house and it says the street. It's called Lemon Street. And I'm walking and I as soon as I pass that I look down and I see a dollar on the floor. And I'm like, oh a dollar. I'm like, I should pick it up. I was like, that lady's coming. <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm straight, I'm gonna pick up all his And so, as soon as I turn the corner, here comes God and says, that's your dollar. And I'm like, cool. I just keep going, I'm like, God, it's a dollar. And he's like, no, it's your dollar. And I'm like, but if I go back and look at it, first of all, the lady's behind me. And 
if I go back and get it, it's like, that looks kind of silly. Like, I'm gonna go back just to pick up a dollar off the floor. There's a school here. Some kid probably dropped it on the ground. He's gonna buy hot Cheetos or something. <laughs> and, well, if it's a kid like Bola. Um, and, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, at this point, I've already gone like two blocks, and I'm walking, and God's like, that's your dollar. And I'm like, okay, God, it's prophetic. It means it's like Solomon's times when money was on the street because people were so rich, God, you're bringing prosperity. And he's like, no, it's not prophetic. Go get your dollar. And I was like, come on. Like, so I'm walking, like trees all big, I'm like, the trees. And, and um, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, and it's like, he's like tugging at me. And I turn around and the lady's gone, she disappeared out of nowhere. Really weird. And, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm walking, and at, 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 it gets to a point where God's like, go get the dollar. And I'm like, okay, but at this point you have to understand, I'm at least 10 minutes, eight, 7 to 10 minutes away from where I was originally. And so I go, I'm going to go get the dollar then. I'm going to go get the dollar. And so I start walking, and as immediately as I start walking with that frame of thought, God starts to say, it's yours. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. And I'm like, I'm going for it, God. I'm going to go get it. And as soon as that happens, he starts to say, it's like the kingdom of heaven. It's yours. I want you to possess it. And when you walk, I want you to walk with boldness. And I want you to walk with intention and with purpose. And it's yours. And that you own it and that you possess it. And so I'm walking and I'm like, that's my dog. I'm going to get my dog. And so God starts speaking to me. I'm like, yes, God. I'm like, that's my dollar. I'm going to go get it, God. And it's just like the kingdom, just like you said. Like, this is mine. Like, I possess this. I possess this. This is mine. You died so that I can have this. And you died so that I can release this. I didn't earn this. It's a gift. And so I get to keep it forever. And so I'm walking and I'm walking. And then I, I passed by this tree. And it was summertime. The sun was coming up. And I guess there was like a lot of bees buzzing around this tree, or like flies, gnats. And as I walk past the tree, the gnats like start buzzing around me and I'm like, I'm like this. And God's like, even if the pestilence gets really loud, you keep walking. And even if the darkness roars loud, you have a, a, a crazier roar. And I start thinking about when, it's going to be really fun, um, when, when Simba goes to the elephant graveyard. When Simba goes to the elephant graveyard, I know y'all know what I'm talking about. And here comes Miss Whoopi Goldberg as a hyena. The three hyenas and Scar. And they're like, and they're like, what are you gonna do now, you little lion? And then the lion's like, roar! And they're like, that's it? And then he goes to roar again. But pay attention, when he roars, this roar comes out. And he's like, whoa, what was that? And it was his father standing behind him. And when you speak, darkness trembles because they hear your father speak. And so I'm walking, and so I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, the dollar's mine, the dollar's mine, God, it's gonna be there, it's still gonna be there. And school is starting to be in session, so people are walking, it's later in the day now, so people are walking out. And I'm walking and I'm walking, and right when I'm getting like close to there, I'm like, but it's okay if it's not there. <laughs> like, 
It's okay, God, because like what you've taught me, what you've taught me has been enough. Why is it that we get so close and we stop short? Why is it that we 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 are content with if it's God's will? Why are we content with good luck, man? I hope it works out. Come on. Why don't we stand with people and say, hey man, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for this situation. I'm going to shine. And the enemy will bow down to this. That sickness will bow down to this. And so I start, you know what? No. I rebuke that thought. It is my dollar. And so I walk, and I see the plaque, and I look down, and my dollar was right there. And so I'm like... Jesus. <laughs> and so I put it in my pocket and God's like, you're going to give that dollar away. I was like, I know I'm going to give it to like a homeless person. No. You're going to give it to somebody. You're going to tell them that story. They're going to be impacted and then they're going to pass it on. And I was like, wow. He's like, everything that I give you has purpose and I've given it to you with purpose. You have, if you could see yourself as a page, you have words all over, all over you. It says, chosen holy priest some of you it says pastor it says evangelist prophet some of you it says teacher it says game changer it says man of god woman of god it says prophetess elder it says deacon right you guys are written with this thing and i and I, and I want you guys that from this night on that you will not be satisfied or content with almost getting there. I want you guys to see this. I want you guys to see breakthrough in your life. That, that the sickness goes away. But that everything quiets down so that you can hear God and that you can learn. So that the problems completely stop and that you get breakthrough. And that everything that you were battling ends. And that God restores the joy that was being attacked in your life. Amen. And so I've been walking with God with this thought. And he's been and and now he's been talking to me about other stuff. And I'm just like, God, oh, I haven't even like taught that the retreat yet. And he's like, well, I don't care. We're going for other stuff too. And I'm like, alright, let's do it. And one of the things to give you like a preview is the plow. So let's go to Luke 9:62. This is the last section. Luke 9. <clears throat> Luke 9:62. Can you hear my water? Please stand. Or there's another Luke 9, 62. Luke 9, 62. It's all the way at the bottom. That was a workout for my finger. Um, Luke 9.62. Amen. Are you guys there? Okay. Jesus says this. I want you guys to listen to this. <clears throat> he's saying this. Are we good? Yes. He says this. And he's saying this tonight. No one after putting his or her hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you read earlier in this chapter, Jesus says things like, let the dead bury the dead. You go proclaim the kingdom. It says, it says, I have no place. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Let the dead bury the dead. 
If he who puts his hand to the plow looks back, he is not worthy. He is not fit, sorry, not worthy, fit for the kingdom of heaven. When you're fit, it could be like an athlete. They're like been, they're, they've been trained for something. And Jesus has been training a set of disciples for something. And I read this verse a couple of times in the midst of everything that I've been learning, everything that I've been going through with the kingdom of heaven, with, with all of this. And, and to give you some information on the plow, in like old, old days, um, they would throw the seed, and the plow would go wherever the seed would go. Nowadays, they plow, put the seed, and then, you know, they do their thing. And so, I've been going on this walk with God and just like learning and learning and learning. And then I came to this verse. He brought me to this chapter and I'm like, why are you saying this? Why, why did Jesus say something, some things that were so like crazy and so intense? And he's saying it at the time. Let's look at it during that time. He's talking to the disciples. He's telling them all of these things. In the very next chapter, Luke 10, he sends out the 70. He sends them out to the kingdom because he was training them. He was preparing them. But what was he preparing them for? He was preparing them for an invasion. And that invasion is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. was about to... Jesus is God on earth, but the Holy Spirit is... Big. Is God everywhere. Amen? So Jesus was modeling again, saying, okay, you've seen me do it, now I'm going to send you. Now you go do it. Go release the kingdom of heaven. And so he was saying these things because I believe that it's God's heart, as he says, that nobody should perish. There's a verse that says, God's will is that no one should perish. And so I'm reading these things, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm with this mindset, and I'm starting to realize that the plow is God's heart. It, the plow is God's heart. And as soon as I thought that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. It's like nobody who puts their hand to God's heart and looks back is fit for the kingdom, of, to release the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not talking about like, you know, you're not going to heaven or anything like that. But I truly believe that when you are touched by the love of God, like many of us here have been, you don't look back. You don't want to look back. You know, I truly believe that when Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven, that he meant it. I truly believe that when God said that it is my will that nobody should perish, I believe that he meant it. When he said that I have plans to prosper you, to, to heal you, to lift you up, I have plans for you to not harm you, I believe that he meant it. When he said that there is no fear in love, I believe that he meant it. And then he calls himself love and he positions himself as a loving father. And I believe that he meant these things. That, that we are his children, that we, are, that we would shine. And it says in Isaiah 61 that we would arise and shine and that nations will come to the light of your rising. Amen. Like, I believe that, God, that, God, that God's heart is these things. And when you see that, you start to dream differently. You start to hope differently. Amen. You start to walk differently. Right. And you move differently. You believe differently. And no matter the circumstances, no matter what it is, like, no matter what it is that you've gone through, like, I still believe. And I've, I've shared this story with the board, and my family knows it. 
Um, but I'm my mom's side and my dad's side. I'm the oldest cousin. Um, we're not that close of a family, but I believe that when like you're the oldest or like when you're the oldest cousin, you carry something. How many oldest do we have here? Like if you're the oldest in your family, amen. You should raise your hand. If you're the oldest out of your siblings, raise your hand. Okay. Don't you know, don't you, you carry that, right? You carry something like different, that's different yeah. from your other siblings because you're firstborn or you're the first amongst your cousin. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going through these thoughts and I'm thinking these things and my, my, my uncle um, who lived with us um, for a very long time, he was one of, the, one of my favorite uncles, if you're allowed to have favorites, he's really cool. And I remember, um, I remember when he when he used to live with us. Um, I would get scared, and Leslie and I used to have bunk beds. I would get scared. I would ditch Leslie. I was like, the monster can eat her. <laughs> and I would go to my uncle's room, and he was really neat. Like he wouldn't even cover himself with his bed sheets. It was weird. He was just like laying there like this. <laughs> and I would tap him, and he already knew it. He was like, he was like, come lay down. So I would lay down, and I didn't go to my parents' room because I thought they would kick me and be like, oh, it's your bed. <laughs> I just didn't want <laughs> But I would always go to my uncle's bed, and he lived with us for so long. And, and I, I remember um, he got married again, and they're like close to their 50s, and they got pregnant. Um, and and she was about maybe she was about maybe like five months and the womb got a hole in it. She was six months and the womb got a hole in it. So the baby was born premature and some of you guys know I asked for prayer for her. And I remember just praying, I remember, God, heaven is here, Lord. You are good, God. You wish that nobody would perish, Lord. My youngest cousin, God, he's going to live, Lord. He's going to live. And I asked for prayer. I was like, please pray. Like they had to have an emergency session. Please pray. And five minutes later, we get a call that that Brandon didn't make it. And so I go downstairs and I'm like sobbing to Leslie. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, Brandon didn't make it. And I went to the hospital with my dad that night. <clears throat> and I'm a big like scary cat. And they're like, well, the family can come see the baby. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to go. I, don't, I think I'll pass out if I like, if I see that. And they're like, no, just come. And so we're there with my aunt, we're in the room, and everybody's like taking turns holding the baby. And then this other aunt is telling my cousins, like, we need to be strong. Like, stop crying. Stop crying. You need to be strong for your mom. And I'm like, what's, what's going on? And then my aunt, she goes, my uncle there is like just dead look on his face. And she's like, do you want to hold the baby? And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even want to see the baby. Now you want me to like hold the baby. But I was like, you know, to honor her, to please her, like I held the baby. And in that moment, what I thought, I was like, God, you can resurrect this child. 
I was like, God, you can resurrect this child. I believe it. And I just helped him. He was like so beautiful, so well formed. And I handed him to his mom. And I walked outside of the curtain and I was like, God. I was like, I started singing this song. I was like, I was like, the ground begins to shake. The stone was rolled away. His reckless love could not be overcome. And I said, now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeat. And I pulled my cousins aside. And in that moment, what I hadn't done ever, I felt like I stepped into the role of like oldest cousins. And I said, if you need to mourn, you mourn. If you need to cry, you cry. Amen. Because that is what you're going through. And you have every right to feel that way. You have every right. And I just prayed there in that moment. And I believed that God was good. I believed that God was graceful. And that God resurrects the dead. And that He heals the sick. And that He believes earth on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that he, when he said no one should perish, I believe it. When he says that he will save everyone, I believe it. When he says that he's perfecting the perfected, I believe it. When he says that we are children and that we are shine, that we will shine, I believe it. And God is good. Amen. We do not bow down to the devil. He bows down to us. Amen. We need to not be satisfied or content with things that we see, we need not to be shaken. And I'm not sharing that story just because maybe it sounds good or something like that, but I was going over my notes and it wasn't in here and God was like, talk about it, talk about it, because people need to hear it. And on this day, on, the, on this one particular day, I was like praying about it. And I stayed home from work. This is my last story, I promise. I stayed home from work. Mary went to nursing school. I was eating my eggs with OJ watching ESPN. And I had like a really quick vision. I saw myself like decked on the floor. And I was like, God, I want that for today. But I'm not just going to go throw myself there and be like, oh, God. Although you can do that. But I wanted God to like stir me, to move me to that place. And so, so I washed the dishes, do a little house cleaning for the wife and 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 I started listening to this preaching and in the preaching they start praying for like 40 minutes and this has never happened to me but I'm listening to the preaching and I literally got like knocked out of my chair like I literally fell on like I, I had no other response but to like I'm just gonna throw myself on the floor <laughs> and and in that moment, like, God is just, like, so powerful in that room, in that place. He was already preparing me for this. Like, it's so crazy that God would see three months ahead and he would know the exact people that were going to be filling these seats. And that he would say, I'm going to prepare my children. I'm going to prepare my leaders so that they can release a word that will bring about breakthrough to your lives. I believe that today you will receive breakthrough for your family. I, receive that you will believe, I believe that you will receive breakthrough for your finances, for your children. For your fathers, for your mothers, for your families, whatever it is that you're going through, you're going to receive breakthrough. In Jesus' name, I believe it. And so I, I, I grabbed the laptop, I put it on the couch, 
And I'm just on my knees and I'm just praying. And I'm praying and God's talking to me about all this. And he's like stirring me. He's preparing me. And then I just like lay down on the floor and I'm just like, oh God, the vision that you showed me like is happening. And it's happening organically and naturally and flowing with you. And in that moment, I see his feet and he's walking. And in his hand, he's dangling this mallet, like a wooden mallet. It's like cylinder, a wooden mallet is used, I think, to like hit meat or something like that. And so he's walking with the mallet. And he comes up to me and he just goes boom like that. And I can like hear crunch. And he hits me again, boom. And in that moment, immediately I remember Danny's preaching. I think it was two years ago as well, where he, we are the clay and he is the potter. And I'm laying there on the floor and I'm just so like in the presence of God and he's with his mallet and it didn't hurt. I welcomed it and I said, God, mold me, shift me, stir me, change me, work in me so that no matter what I go through, I will always believe that you are good and that you are the potter. I am the clay. There are no strings attached, God. But when your spirit comes, God, everything that is contradictory to what is in heaven must go. Amen. And so, that's Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> Amen. I want you guys to uh, get comfortable. Mims, if you guys, you guys, um, the worship team, come back up. But play softly. I'm going to do like an exercise. If you want to like sit on the floor, get comfortable, um, we're going to do this. It's going to take a, a little more longer. So just get comfortable. Um, if you want to move around, go ahead. But I really want you, I really want you to open up your heart to this. I really want you to see this. Get up and stretch if you need to. Just close your eyes. 
And I want you to picture heaven. I want you to picture the kingdom of heaven. I want you to picture the throne. And I want you to just be there for a moment. As long as it takes. It's not going to happen quick for everyone. Holy Spirit, I believe you are going to give visions right now. And I'm going to let the worship team minister and then I'm going to read something to you.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this room. In Revelations 1-9, our brother John, he writes a Patmos vision, a vision that he has at Patmos. And in that vision, he hears a voice. And it's the voice of God. It's the voice of Jesus. And John says this, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one, like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head, his hair were white, white wool, white like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. And I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that will happen in this place. God, Jesus, white as wool. Children, we are washed by the blood of Christ. And it says that He makes us white as snow. Our brother John wrote that. He saw that. He experienced that. That is what is. Now this is what I want you to really, really captivate. Please listen to me. John, who wrote this about the glorified state of Jesus and how he looked and how he is, that same John in 1 John 4, 17, that same John said, as he is, so are we in this world. What do you look like in this world? Your hair is white as wool. Your sins have been washed away and you are white as snow. And your face glistens with glory. Not glory like Moses had. He veiled it. 
We do not veil our glory, and our glory is everlasting. And our feet are bronze because wherever we step, we change everything. As He is, so are we. I want you to see that. Our brother John wrote it. He saw it. He lived it. He died and then Jesus had to resurrect him. And he said, as he is, so are we in this world. 